Welcome to the Slow Style Home Podcast. I am so happy you're here. If you want to create a beautiful home that isn't cookie cutter or a trendy copy of someone else's, you're in the right place. And if you don't want to hurt your wallet or the planet to get one of those dream homes. And you can get started with my brand new quiz called Fix My Room. It's actually more of an assessment tool, but the word quiz, I think, sounds better because it's it's really easy to do. Just answer 20 multiple choice questions and you'll be pinpointing why your room isn't working, why it feels off, and why maybe your previous efforts haven't really panned out. Or maybe you're fairly happy with your room, but you want to make sure that your design choices are going in the right direction. Visit our website at slowstylehome.com and click on the quiz button right at the top. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later in the show. Now, let's dig into this week's episode. Welcome to Little Yellow Couch, where Karen June and Zandra, your hosts for the Style Matters podcast. You're listening to our fourth season of interviews with some of the best stylists, designers, artists, and all-around tastemakers in 2016. This podcast is for all of us who are obsessed with creating spaces in our lives that reflect what's most important to us. We call it fearless decorating, and we're delighted you're here. Before we jump in, we want to tell you about a fantastic giveaway we're doing over on our blog. We've partnered with one of our podcast sponsors, Color House Paint, to transform Karen's living and dining rooms. She is so thrilled with the results, and I'm jealous that we did her house and not mine, but that's another issue. Anyway, we've got the before and after photos on the blog, so be sure to check them out. At the bottom of that post, you can enter to win a whole transformation package of your own. Color House is generously giving two gallons of paint, a fan deck, and a color consultation to one of our listeners. Honestly, if it weren't against the rules, I'd be entering in this contest myself. We are so in love with this company. Their color palette is fantastic, their paints contain no VOCs, chemical solvents, or reproductive toxins, and Color House is a source of creative inspiration through their own blog. To enter the contest, go to www.littleyellowcouch.com and click on blog. Again, that's www.littleyellowcouch.com. Click on the link to the blog, and it's open now through midnight, Monday, May 30th, Eastern Standard Time. Our guest today is Ellie Tennant, author of the books Design Bloggers at Home and Chic Boutiquers at Home. Based in London, Ellie has been an interiors journalist for several years, writing for Ideal Home Magazine and Home Shopping Spy. What we love about both of her books is her focus on people who are really passionate about personalizing their homes and using them as a visual representation of their lives. So we wanted to uh, definitely talk about your books, but before we get into that, we wanted to learn a little bit more about you and your uh, career, uh, mm-hmm. your time at Ideal Home, and also your blog, um, The Home Shopping Spy, which I'm not sure if you're still involved with or not, but I know you founded it. So mm-hmm. just um, tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Um, so I, I always knew that I wanted to be a journalist of some kind. And I studied English literature at university, Um, but I wasn't sure that I wanted to specialise in interiors until a bit later on. 
Um, I did a postgrad journalism course and then I think it was when I first moved to London and um, got my first flat that I kind of became a real interiors addict. Uh, for, your, <laughs> for your own flat, you mean? Yeah. Yes. I, I mean, I was just renting with a friend, but I think once you get your own space, you become a bit more interested in it. But I think looking back, I'd always loved playing with dolls' houses and decorating my bedroom. And I think really I'd always been into interiors. I just didn't realize I could make it a career. Um, So then I applied for a job on House Beautiful magazine, which is now owned by Hearst, but it was called the National Magazine Company at the time. And there I was style assistant. So that was a really interesting first job because I was doing lots of big photo shoots. And I mean, I was very junior. I was just helping out ironing curtains and doing (laughs) returns and all all of that stuff. But it was really good experience and a really nice team. And, um, yeah, it was great. We got to go to South Africa and do photo shoots there. And so there was lots of travel and it was really, really good experience. And then I moved to Idle Home where I was a features writer to begin with. And then I became um, deputy shopping editor and compiled lots of trend pages and interviewed designers. And I was lucky that my job was writing and styling, which I think suits me better. So I did that. And um, myself and uh, another journalist started doing a blog which it started off being quite a kind of consumer blog and then it kind of merged into shopping and design and trends. And um, we were lucky that we had quite a lot of freedom and we could, you know, we could chat quite casually and personally, even though we obviously we had to be on brand, but we did have a lot of freedom. We had a really good editor at the time who was very kind of clued up about digital. Um, so that was, that was a brilliant experience. And then I left to go freelance, I think it's five years ago now, scarily (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah so now I write and style for lots of different magazines and books and you have two books so and those both came out recently I mean within the last five years yeah so the first one was um was in May 2014 and that was design bloggers at home uh, which was basically looking at 12 different bloggers houses sharing their style inspiration and then also picking their brains for really useful advice for people who want to start their own blogs. Um, so that was good. And um, it was interesting, actually, because we got to see houses in America. We went to Scandinavia. We went to the UK. So we had a real good mix of different homes and different styles and different voices. Yes, definitely. And then your most recent book? It came out in October. So that's quite recent. Um that's October 2015, and it's called Chic Boutiques at Home. So this is, I mean, it's a similar book in terms of structure. Um, so it features 12 beautiful houses, but this time they belong to people who run their own online shops. And then the final chapter is all about how to set up your own shop. So how to do your marketing, how to think about your brand, um, how to get your identity right, how to do your photography. And we've been very lucky that the homeowners... Not only do they have beautiful houses, but they, they were very open about sharing their expert advice with us as well. Yeah, that is that is so kind. I, I feel like the blogosphere is is like that in, in our niche. You know, they I feel like people are pretty generous and with their with their knowledge. Definitely. Yeah, I've definitely found that with both of these books. I mean, I suppose also um, we wanted to show a real kind of range of styles and a range of blogs and a range of shops. So people weren't really directly competing with one another. So 
everyone, you know, everyone was very open and shared all of their advice. And I think really the people who are doing these things, who are running these big blogs and running these successful shops, they're the people to listen to when you're starting out because they've been there and done that and got the (laughs) (laughs) t-shirt. Right. Well, and the two books so clearly come from your background. Uh, I mean, it makes sense that you'd be merging all of your experiences with um, both looking at trends and shopping and that kind of thing toward the end of your time with Ideal Home and Home Shopping Spy and then also your styling experience uh, that you've had throughout your career. These two books really, you know, they seem to be just a compilation of where you've been in your life too. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm I'm very lucky that the publisher Ryland Peters and Small, um, they give you quite a lot of creative freedom and it was definitely a product of all the things that I was interested in. Um, so particularly the last book, um, Chic Boutiques at Home, that features very, you know, very independent small online shops that have literally been set up by people in their front room, from their kitchen table. Some of them have grown very big. Um, and a few of the ones that we featured were really quite new when we visited them. And I think that's something that I'm definitely getting more um, passionate about as I get older, you know, supporting independent, interesting, smaller brands who have beautiful, artisanal, really well-made, carefully curated um, ranges. One of the things that I like you talked about in uh, Chic Boutiqueers is you talked about the fact that 80% of UK adults shop online and that by 2020, that's actually going to rise to 90%. Uh, how are you seeing this affect the design community after going and visiting with all of these people? Um, I suppose we're, we were very lucky, really, that we live in this exciting time because um, even if you just went back 10 or 20 years what you had access to was so much more limited. And, um, I mean, even recently, you've got even bigger brands introducing uh, global shipping and international shipping. And you have now we have such a kind of global vision using the Internet. I think we're really lucky. And I think, in a way, our interiors are starting to reflect that. So they're becoming a lot more eclectic and... You know, I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to buy larger pieces of furniture because the shipping costs get way out of hand yeah right. <laughs> things like you know um cushion covers or you know accessories we really do have have freedom now and also i suppose there are platforms like etsy which um one of the sellers in my book is a, is a big etsy seller that really gives us a whole new dimension of homemade handcrafted items um which in the past it would have been very difficult for those sellers to access shoppers basically and for shoppers to access their work so I think we're really fortunate that we just we're just so spoiled for choice in, in this day and age. Yeah, that's true. And, and sometimes it's hard to make a choice because there is so much to choose from. <laughs> so I, I think it really um, requires the homeowner, if they care to, to um, really kind of define their their style, what they're looking for, to be very. Uh, particular and intentional in their choices, Mm. which we think is great and interesting. And, you know, we certainly advocate for that, Um, you know, buy only what you love and be sure you know what you love and all of that kind of good stuff. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, there are two sides to the internet. You know, one side is we have this amazing freedom and access to all these different ideas and products and designers. And then, um, and obviously social media has an amazing role. It connects people. It's something that I use every day for my job and with my friends. But I think also there is an element that, um, especially Instagram and Pinterest, you can kind of sometimes get a little bit caught up in fashions and fads and everything seems so fast moving these days yes definitely and I think um I mean obviously it's not entirely bad but I do think sometimes you can get swept up in a trend and you think oh my god I love this I need to have that and then actually a few months later you've kind of gone off it and fashion's moved on and so I think really developing your own sense of style allows you to just take a step back and really consider every purchase that you make and perhaps you buy less and you shop you know a few times rather than every week or every month but you're buying things that will last for you for years and you know that you will love them and you won't be just kind of going off them which is obviously really bad for the environment as well as as well as your pocket absolutely (laughs) yes absolutely yeah it's interesting that you say that because this weekend um, it was the first really sort of warm spring weekend here in the Boston area and we decided to do some spring cleaning <laughs> out of our basement. We, we had a dumpster because of some construction that we'd done on the house and mm-hmm. as we went through the basement I was also pulling some things together uh, to bring to our local thrift store and when we went to drop off the box at the thrift store they had literally, I mean, the poor man who was receiving the donations was literally buried in things. It was all the way down the sidewalk. Someone had shown up in a U-Haul, a, a rental truck, to drop off stuff that they were donating, which is wonderful that they're donating. Right. But it just made me realize, you know, right down the you know street from there are all these big box stores and it's sort of like you know people were pulling in there dropping off their stuff and then pulling into the next place and buying new stuff and, <laughs> and and so i i i think taking the time to shop responsibly not only having those stories behind the things and finding the things that we love but having pieces that are going to be quality and last a long time is just so important Yeah, and it's difficult because we live in an age when both fashion and home accessories, they're so cheap, they're mass-produced. It's it's tempting when you think, oh, you know, it's only £5 or £10 or dollars or whatever. It doesn't, you know, it's like a throwaway thing. You don't have to think about it. But actually, I think it's, it's always worth thinking about things, putting them in your basket if you're shopping online and then going back a few days later or even weeks later. And if you still want them and you still think you need them, then kind of clicking, you know, yes. just right. taking that, that time, that hour or day or even a week to just let it go and see if you really want it and, and then go ahead and get it. I love that tip. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like in your first book, all of the homes that you featured, even though they were very different, they did not feel that none of them felt like they were a collection of disposable things or things that were currently on trend or at least not only currently on trend. Everyone that you featured, and I'm sure this was purposeful on your part, um, had obviously put a lot of thought into their homes and had collected things over time. Um, 
And Karen was mentioning to me the other day that she picked out from your book that you started seeing design elements that were carried through various spaces, even though you went all over the world. What were some of those elements, some of those themes that you thought went through from one home to another in your first book? Um, I suppose the thing that makes these homes interesting or appealing to me is that they are really eclectic and that they they aren't kind of show homes that you know nobody's sat down and done a mood board and just bought everything brand new they are the houses that are filled with inherited pieces and secondhand finds and even handmade elements so there was um there's a blogger called Jonathan Lowe who runs a blog called Happy Mundane and he had um he had made this amazing room separator it was like a kind of screen with um he made it using kind of little wooden embroidery hoops which he glued together and just at a glance it looked like an amazing mid-century modern picture <laughs> right that come with his house but it was all completely made by him and he'd also um he also made a headboard from a couple of really inexpensive doors that he just bought from his local hardware shop and then um kind of screwed together I mean it was so clever but it looked like a very expensive hotel room (laughs) so I suppose what what all the homeowners had in common was was a creativity and wherever they lived they were able to use their skills and resources and imagination to create interesting homes that felt welcoming and I mean they looked amazing don't get me wrong they were brilliant I mean very easy to shoot when you've got beautiful houses like that (laughs) But but they don't feel artificial. They feel real because they have handmade elements and vintage elements as well as new new elements. So I think that's the key, really. I couldn't agree more. Every single home in here, there were elements of it that I would personally would be drawn to incorporate into my own home. And every single one of them looked, like you said, real. And I, that sounds so simple, but I do feel like there's not uh, as much of that in when we see photographs of spaces, um, especially in magazines. I feel like they're much more about being show homes, and these homes are beautiful and nothing artificial. Mm. I think um, another one that was really inspiring in the first book, Design Bloggers at Home, was um, Desiree, who runs a blog called Vosh Paris. If I'm saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to you. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds French, but she's actually based in Amsterdam. And and she had done something amazing. She had an apartment which, you know, from the outside, it just looked like a very normal, very nice, but very ordinary apartment block. And then when you stepped into the front, past the front door of her flat, it was as if she was living in this huge kind of airy warehouse or loft or something. And she'd achieved it basically by taking out door frames and opening up all of her doorways so there were no doors anywhere. And she had the same kind of pale white flooring throughout the house. All the walls were white. And she'd exposed um, areas of concrete on the walls, which is quite a brave move, but it gave a really industrial feel. And I just thought, this is amazing. I bet if you um, went into any of the other apartments in her building, they would look nothing like this. But it just, she was basically a really good, inspiring example of somebody who has a dream and wants to live in a certain space and has made it happen just through her own hard work, really. So I found, um, I mean, she lived in a very disciplined way. She like, Everything was monochrome. Personally, I'm way too messy to, <laughs> to, 
to get that down. But I really sort of admired her, her aesthetic and the way that she created this incredible space that on film and when you're standing in it, you would never know where you actually were. Right, right. Well, and I, I, I gather from that chapter in your book that she, that discipline, as you call it, does make her very happy. It gives her a sense of happiness that that is what drives her. You know, you don't get the sense that she's being disciplined because of some, you know, preconceived notion of what a home is supposed to be like. She, this is just what she's drawn to and she expresses it through, through her monochromatic style. Yeah. I think, I think all the homeowners, hopefully in both books, are a really good examples of people who get a lot of pleasure from their home and who, people whose lifestyle and their interior overlap in a way. So in the second book, Chic Boutique is at Home, um, all of the shop owners were kind of using their houses as um, virtual showrooms, I guess, in a nice way. You know, So they were sharing pictures on Instagram and Pinterest of their products. Some of them are, are makers, so they're making these products themselves. Some of them are just kind of curating other products, but in a very unique way. But they would use their homes not only as spaces to live in and spaces to work in, but also spaces to almost promote their work in. So it's, really, it's a really interesting way that, I suppose, traditional shops are becoming very expensive for small companies and a little bit less relevant because now with social media, you anywhere can be your shop. Which is great because you don't have the overhead, but then you are left with having to create an atmosphere um, so that when somebody comes into your virtual shop, they feel like they are entering a space. Yeah. Uh, think, which they all do in your book. I think the 12 that we featured were, were all very, very talented at, at creating an online destination and, and building up a whole world really around their brand and around their shop and I think one thing that they they also all emphasized was you know if you don't have a bricks and mortar establishment you do have to make sure that you engage in the real world whenever you can so things like pop-up shops and you know holding events and teaching classes and going to exhibitions and connecting with people in the so-called real world right. is still, you know, it's still a very big part of these people's business. Um, but, but I think one of the things I really, really enjoyed were the kind of stories that they're able to share because their shops are online. So when you do click on one of these shops and have a little look around, you do feel like you're being immersed into somebody else's world. Absolutely. And Karen and I often talk about how we get inspired by displays that we see, you know, in real life, displays we see in boutiques um, or thrift stores or antique shops. And they really bring you in and give you this sort of fantasy that you can step into and imagine bringing some of that into your own home. And I think that's what makes us oftentimes want to buy things is we've experienced that product in a in a space, in a setting that really resonates with us. Um, anthropology does a great job of that. I think that's why people are so, uh, why that, that shop is so popular. And I think that the, the online boutiques that you've uh, featured in your book do that so beautifully mm. online. Yeah. I think also um, online, you know, if you just have one product in your shop, then that's not very interesting, but particularly the um, particularly the shop owners who were the curators, so people who are 
buying stock from elsewhere and selling it on. They were very, very clever at very carefully choosing their products so that they sit together beautifully and create one kind of ongoing, connected aesthetic. Um, So I suppose, yeah, online the equivalent of a beautiful retail display is the way that you present your site. So you have a beautiful font, you have gorgeous photography, you might have moody shots that are nothing really to do with your products. Exactly, yes. Conjure up a feel. I mean, there was um, there's a couple in the book who are based in Brooklyn who run a shop called Canarado Shop, um, and they were very good at this. They had a very beautiful selection of carefully chosen products, lots of which were made for them by local makers, lots of which they had kind of got exclusives with bigger brands. And they put together, you know, it wasn't a huge range, but it didn't need to be really. It was just a very succinct collection. And one thing that they were very good at was they have a journal section, which is basically just beautiful photography of their travels, things that they do at the weekend. I mean, they are, it helps that they are amazing photographers. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it just makes you, it's almost like it is the equivalent really of reading a magazine or you know, sort of losing yourself in this beautiful, inspiring world. So you get so much more from a shop like that. It's not just, you know, Amazon where you click, click, buy. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of emotional and creative experience. We'll be back after a quick break. I just want to jump in here for a minute and remind you about the new free quiz that you can take at slowstylehome.com. It's called the Fix My Room Quiz, and I've created it because a lot of times when we're ready to change up a room in our homes, we get stuck not knowing where to start or what to do first. I mean, do you paint the walls? Do you come up with a different floor plan? Do you declutter first and then buy all new stuff? It's daunting. So the quiz, is designed as a way for you to assess what's not working so that you're pointed in the right direction in terms of what to focus on. Everything else can kind of fall away. After years of helping others look around their rooms and identify the possibilities for big, impactful changes, I figured out how you can do this assessment yourself. The 20 multiple-choice questions will ask you about how your room is functioning and how your style is developing. Then you'll receive a detailed summary from me about what you should tackle first. No more guessing and no more throwing money away or time. Again, go to slowstylehome.com and click on the quiz button right at the top. All right, let's jump back into today's episode. Yeah, and I was just going to bring that word back into the conversation because you used it before about being creative, and that was the thread that was through all of the the designers from your first book um, and the shop owners too. It, it's creativity or, or being creative in your home really can be inspired from anywhere, and th- that's one of the things Karen and I like about boutiques, both online and uh, brick and mortar that are so beautifully curated is that the curation itself is, is a creative process. And so borrowing those ideas or being inspired by the ideas that you see about how somebody else displays things um, is, it can be very, that may be all you need, just that little spark to say, you know what, I'm going to redo my mantle today, 
or I'm going to, you know, pull out some old tins that I have or something, and I'm going to move them from the kitchen into the living room just because I wanted to change something up. And even that little act is an act of creativity. Mm, Definitely. I think um, wherever you live and whatever budget you have and whatever your style, hopefully in, in a very inspiring book or magazine feature or website, anything, you can take something for yourself. So there's one small element that you can recreate or that influences you in some way. And I suppose it's just it's just a matter of kind of getting used to looking for those things right. and kind of being able to I mean, we're bombarded with inspiration as, again, it's a kind of two-edged sword. In a way, it's amazing that we have the whole internet at our fingertips and we can see any picture, any time. And in another way, it can be quite overwhelming if you're, you're trying to kind of define your own style. It can be quite difficult if you have so many influences and ideas. And sometimes it's better to just focus on a few, a few kind of sources of inspiration, I think. And also... It's, um, it's also really good when you you visit real interiors, you know, in your real life. So restaurants and, as you were mentioning, shops are a really good source of inspiration for your home. But also, um, I mean, in the UK, we have the National Trust, which are kind of these historic protected buildings. And um, I, was, I was at one recently, and all of the woodwork on this amazing castle was painted this beautiful colour. So I emailed them afterwards and was like, what is this colour? <laughs> And they told me it was, it was. It turned out to be a Farron ball colour, of course. Oh, of course. Um, but it was so nice that I'm going to paint my front door. So, it, thing, wherever you look, you know, you can find details in the real world that that you can bring home. And you know, okay, I just have a little front door, and it's going to be a little sample pot. But <laughs> you know, a tiny slice of that beautiful castle. <laughs> oh, I love that story. That is so great. And that is, that's, that's what makes your home uniquely yours are little choices like that. Right, right. And the little story that comes behind it. Yeah. I also like this sort of going back to this idea of a lot of these, um, both the bloggers um, and the shop owners that uh, you featured, there's a lot of ingenuity that goes on behind how they do things. And I think it makes it very accessible to people to have inspiration that is something they could either do themselves, either affordably, that, that not everything needs to be purchased, I guess. And so to to have that inspiration that these people have created these worlds, either for selling their goods or for being inspired in themselves, creating in themselves, running their stores, running their blogs. Those of us who have podcast blogs do the work that we're doing. We spend a tremendous amount of time in our home spaces. And if you don't have the ability to work outside of the home, which I I like the ability to, to work from home, but it requires creating a space, taking the time. Part of, I think, our work days is going around and moving a few things just to stay inspired in the spaces that we're in. And so I think I really like this idea of ingenuity behind uh, the people that you've interviewed. Yeah. Lots, I mean, lots of them were obviously working from home and they, they were very clever at kind of making that work for them. So they either had a separate space or um, they were, kind of always changing their homes as well. So, they, you know, one day the hall would be full of stock 
And then the next day they'd be working in the living room because the office was being like used for packing. And, you know, it was really, it was really interesting how flexible their, their workspaces and living spaces were. Um, but, but just going back to the kind of ingenuity, I think um, I hope that what, what people can take from these books is that you don't have to be a millionaire with a massive house to create a beautiful home. I mean, a good example would be Jessica and Dean Hearn, who are in Chic Boutiques at Home. Um, they run a very beautiful shop from Hastings in, in the UK. It's called The Future Kept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that, that one stood out to me. <laughs> I, love, I love those photographs. And they, I mean, their house looks stunning. It's amazing. And, but they're very, very thrifty. So they have this beautiful sideboard, which um, they found for free. It was just somebody had chucked it out and it was on the pavement. And Jessica sat on it until Dean could come and collect it. <laughs> <laughs> so that she was kind of claiming it. Right. And I don't blame her. Good at um, finding things in skips on when he goes for his morning run. You know they're very savvy, and you know they buy things on eBay. They do buy new things too, but but they have that vision where you know some people might run past that sideboard and just think, oh, a piece of furniture. They could see that with a beautiful wall behind it, and you know stylish accessory. How how beautiful it could look. So I suppose it's having that vision and having that imagination. It means that you don't need necessarily to have to spend a lot of money when you create your home. Absolutely. So, uh, and speaking of your getting back to your blue, I you know what? Actually, I didn't know if you said blue. Your door. What shade is yeah. it? Is it going to be? It's not blue. No, it's Hardwick white. Oh, okay. I made that up because I like blue. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I heard what I wanted to hear. Okay, so it's a beautiful white that you that you found. Okay, well that that uh, I think is a great way to wrap up our interview because Karen and I are dying to know a little bit about what your house looks like, and I, you gave us this little um, reminder at the beginning of our interview. You said when you had your first flat and you had roommates that that was when you sort of were awakened to the idea of creating a space that probably. Um, reflected who you were at the time and I I just remember the same thing I remember the same time I ever painted a wall it was in my first apartment in Manhattan and I had a roommate and we went out and uh, we made a huge mistake of picking yellow and red, and then we were done, and it was like McDonald's. It was awful. So then we had to go back and, and, and buy blue. <laughs> but anyway, the point is, is that we were, we were so excited to, I think, make our mark on our yeah. very first um, apartment. And uh, what does your home look like now? We would love to know whatever you feel like sharing. Well, I have recently moved house. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> so exciting. It's a work in progress, I think, is the polite way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, we're, we're very, we've just left London, actually. Um, we now live an hour outside London, which is a good distance because we can still get in, but we're not actually paying to live in London anymore. Um, so we, yeah, we live in, we're living in an Edwardian cottage, which is really nice. So it's got lots of character and nice floorboards and fireplaces and all the things that I like. But decor wise, it definitely needs a bit of work. It's not horrific. <laughs> and it's just, you know, when it's just not to your, you know, it's colors that we haven't chosen and things like that. So yeah, there's a lot to do. Um, Starting with the front door. <laughs> 
I would say my basically my style now is very simple and maybe even a bit boring. I don't know whether this is middle age, but I'm, um, I'm definitely drawn to white walls. And I suppose because in my job, I deal with so many different looks and so many wallpapers and so many fabrics. And then I think when I come home, I, I just want a really clean, calm space. Oh, that makes total sense. <laughs> a place to rest your eyes and a place to rest your mind. Yeah. So one of the things that we have done is um, before we moved in, we had all the floorboards sanded and we treated them with like a Danish lye and oil, which kind of bleaches them. So we've got nice floorboards at least. Oh, gosh. Well, that's <laughs> all very pale, wonderful. Scandinavian and calming. Yes. <laughs> it's so much fun, though, to move to a new home and start over. And I... I think it's the best way to do it is over time and not to rush it. And, you know, I, I, I just think that's the way to get the most enjoyment out of it. Definitely. And it's amazing what you can live with when you've lived yeah. with it for a while. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, you can. Fixing <laughs> certain things. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have anything coming up? Any projects? Any other books or um, magazine articles or? Possibly. The possibly is a third book in the uh, in the. I can't say too much about it. It's a little bit vague, but okay. yeah, um, that would be nice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoy working on them. Then it's nice to have a kind of meaty project with you know lots of writing, and you can see the whole project from beginning to end, and help with the layouts. And yeah, it's something that I really I'd like to do more of. Definitely. Yeah. Well, we'd like to see more, so that would be wonderful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Well, Ellie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. It's been really delightful. And um, we're so glad that you talked so much about what was on the inside of your books, because we really want to encourage people to uh, get a hold of them themselves. They are really beautiful books, both both the people that you've chosen to interview, but also the books themselves. The paper quality is lovely, and the photography is amazing, and it's just, it's beautifully published, and they're wonderful. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been really nice to talk to you. Before we go, we want to remind you about the giveaway we're having over on our blog. It's for two gallons of Color House paint, a fan deck, and a color consultation. To enter, go to www.littleyellowcouch.com. Click on Blog. There, you'll also see how we transformed Karen's living and dining rooms using fabulous Color House paint. Again, that's www.littleyellowcouch.com. Click on the blog link, and it's open now through midnight, Monday, May 30th, Eastern Standard Time. Good luck! Thanks so much for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, we'd really appreciate if you take a moment to rate us on iTunes. And if you'd like more fearless decorating ideas from Little Yellow Couch, sign up for our newsletter at littleyellowcouch.com, and you'll receive our free e-magazine called Five Ways to Decorate with Books. Connection. Style. Substance. That's Little Yellow Couch. Thanks so much for listening. I know your time is valuable, and I really do appreciate you spending it with me. And please, please, please take a minute to leave a review for Slow Style Home wherever you get your podcasts. It honestly does help keep this show on the air, and your feedback is highly valuable to me. Have a great day, and I'll be back in your earbuds soon. Bye for now.